Welcome to Licensed Psychologist, Now What? A podcast about the journey psychologists and psychotherapists go through as they reclaim their intuition and unleash their healing gifts while maneuvering getting licensed, life, and making a living. And although this podcast host and many of the guests are mental health professionals, the information provided is not meant to be a substitute for being diagnosed and treated by a licensed mental health, medical, and related professionals, or for supervision and or consultation purposes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Licensed Psychologist. Now what? This is your host, Dr. Liliana Garcia. And today I have the honor and privilege to bring to you a very special guest. Her name is Dr. Frances Bidot, and she was one of the mentees that I had for six months that we ended like around September this year. So like a month ago when I'm recording this, you will hear the audio of this like much later, like several weeks later. But when we're recording this, it was last month, the end of the program. And for me, it was very joyful to have a mentee that I felt shared a lot of the things that I encounter because I also studied in Puerto Rico and moved here for my internship and then stayed for my postdoc hours. Dr. Francis did the same. So without any further ado, because you know how I can go, let's welcome our special guest. Hola, how are you? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here and such a honor. And I feel so privileged to share this space with you. It definitely has been a great mentor to me, a great support system in my journey. So thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, thank you. And I know when I was thinking in this podcast and inviting Dr. Francis, I was thinking, what is one thing that we haven't talked necessarily yet? And I think it's really important that we talk a little bit about the journey of especially if there's any Puerto Ricans listening to this or someone from out of the U.S. listening to this, moving to this country and all of that. So that's a little a sneak peek, brief, what's the word? No, sneak preview, sneak preview of what we're <laughs> going to be talking a little bit about. So, but Dr. Francis, can you tell us a little bit about you, what you do and what do you love the most? Perfect. Yes. So I'm a recently um, became a doctor here in the United States. I am Puerto Rican, as you mentioned. I was born and raised there. I did everything, grad school, undergrad, and everything on my psychology formation in terms of education was in Puerto Rico. Then I came here to United States, especially to Los Angeles to do my pre-doctoral internship and match here. I became a little bit in love with LA in those first six months. I decided to stay here to do my specialty. So I apply um, to one of the hospitals here. And then I stay, I stay here for doing my fellowship. I was not expecting to COVID <laughs> to hit six months after I right. moved here. But yes, that has been my job right now. I'm doing a specialty in trauma psychologist, especially working with children and adolescents. It's a two-year fellowship. And I work mostly, I think like 95% of my, the community I work with, with Latinx family from different parts from Mexico, Salvador, Guatemala. And definitely that's a big passion of me to work with my community of Latinx family here in the United States and be that provider that can talk both language and help with that gap sometimes between caregivers and, and the clients. And yeah, love working with that community and have a great passion for it. Mm, that is so. 
yeah, I was like here, like, oh my God, like I want to interrupt and ask about this and ask about that. Because one <laughs> thing I wanted to ask was when you came here, when you were match here, was, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to share if you don't want to, but was LA one of the places that you were looking for? Oh yeah, no, I can definitely share that. Um, okay. To be honest, it was not my first choice. My first choice was Puerto Rico, which I'm so grateful that it was not in the place that I put as the first one because it was actually working with adults. And it was more because I wanted to stay in the island, not necessarily because there was a passion to work with that population. So I, I think that experience teach me to trust more life and not necessarily mm-hmm. as I planned it to be because I match in the place that I definitely feel I had it to match, mm-hmm. which was working more with Latinx community in here. But yes, that was a cultural shock, even from receiving that like email and saying like, I have to live for Rico. And like, I was recently oh married, like just a year after and Yes, that was something was very interesting. <laughs> yeah, because LA was not my first choice. I actually applied everywhere yeah. around it. I even applied Bakersfield, which I'm like, now I'm like, I'm happy I did Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if it would have been a good place, to, like match for us. But yeah, I applied like San Francisco, San Diego, East Coast. And I had to go through a clearinghouse because a long time before that was like six. But anyways, yeah, it was such a cultural shock. Because yeah. I mm-hmm. you also come from a smaller town. In Puerto Rico, yeah. I come from a small town. So, and I had to live in Koreatown, and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the other piece was how was that for you to be in the middle of your internship? And then a global pandemic hit. I cannot imagine. Did you, oh, sorry, let me backtrack. Did you apply for your fellowship before the pandemic hit? I think so, right? Yes, yes. Okay, I actually it. received like the like the call that I was being offered in the hospital on February and the yeah. pandemic started in March. So when I was like, yes, I was having this like image about how it will look like the fellowship very different and how it really looked like when I started. So yeah. yeah. Oh my God. And there's so many right now students and recent graduates that are going through something similar and I cannot imagine what it is to do mostly therapy online or if you have to do in person all the extra stressors that that can include of you feeling you know scared about your safety as well so how's that been for you (laughs) managing therapy while you're also going through so much I think you just said something that is such an important thing and as a trauma psychologist, I work with some of the clients that have experienced trauma that not necessarily I have experienced. But when it was in the middle of the pandemic, then you are in a reality with this can be very traumatizing and very scary for them, but at the same time for you. So really being conscious about that was such an important role for me. I think I sent a big heart to everyone that has been through like transitioning to in-person to virtual because it had, like you said, a lot of layers of adapting to do this EVP that maybe you did it in person, like, um, and then you have to transition to join virtually. I, I learned PCAT, for example, that it's a very structured yeah. uh, model of therapy that it's for caregivers and client, and it's a coaching process mm-hmm. virtually, which 
has been demonstrated since before that it was effective, but my expectation was, you know, to learn it and yeah, with the double window, not the window, the double mirror or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it requires a lot of like cultural humility as well, because you really have to be very conscious that you're entering the house of that person. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the room, I, I have families that there are 10 people living there and they only have this only space where they can do the therapy and really being very conscious about that has been such a learning and growth experience for me as a therapist of having that in mind and that could be that like their sacred space I'm very jealous about opening my own house (laughs) having also that into consideration it's an extra Mm -hmm. layer that you had to help technology Mm -hmm. technology for them wi-fi internet and all that and figuring out the HIPAA protected, you know, exactly. <laughs> so many layers. I cannot imagine when you were talking, I was remembering, I used to do a lot of in-home. Mm-hmm. And so I experienced that whole aspect of, you know, 10 people living in the same house, maybe like them living so we could do therapy or something going outside. But I cannot imagine the whole aspect of on online because then everyone is in the home. Yeah. And, you know, right now, not necessarily, but in, there was a moment that we were all at home. Yes, yes. So privacy, how do you find the privacy? Yeah. Yeah. I have done sessions with my clients in the bathroom, to be honest, like mm-hmm. sitting there and just like for them to have that space. And I feel one of the challenge was like you were saying, everyone was there so that it is a shared space. So some of the people can respect it and understand it. But there's actually a lot of stigma also around mental health. So not everyone could be in a position of like, yes, this is your therapy and it's a moment of staying silent and you have to be very free of that (laughs) and really trying (laughs) to engage in the process as well yeah because you need the hours because if you don't get the hours then you don't get your license so there's like there's so many layers of so much expectancy and expectations are expectancy we're not expecting any baby (laughs) (laughs) at least I am not but yeah but um, the piece that I was going to ask was we also talk in the mentorship about the difficulties and the challenges of being a Latina, but not only a Latina, being also a Puerto Rican Latina, mm-hmm. doing your internship and your post-up in that experience and being supervised in a space that still is not necessarily that welcoming or, or made for the Latinx and communities that have been minoritized and the impact that has caused in you in the imposter syndrome and all that. I wonder if you could share a little bit about that. Of course. No, yes, I appreciate that question. Uh, yes, that's that's definitely something that we talk a lot on the mentorship. And let me tell you, Luciana didn't ask me to say that, but this mentorship was amazing. And oh. I don't know if I will be in the place that I am today if I don't have that support from a community in my own village to be able to be where I am today. So Really coming to the United States had a lot of different layers in terms of my own identity as a person and also my professional identity. I came from being more like majority in Puerto Rico, um, middle class, someone who studied and everything, um, and then coming here to, oh, why they're calling me a person of color? Like I'm not understanding. What does that mean for me? And at the same time, when COVID hit and everything with the Black Lives Matter, there was a more like heightened sense of social equity 
So it also have a lot of impact of what that means for me and what is my own identity, how I define myself as a person and not only as a psychologist. So one of the other layers in terms of professional word, it's like, hey, I come here, there's no other psychologist that is Puerto Rican. Oh, thank God that you exist here in LA, Ludiana, because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's not too much like me or recognizing the inequity sometimes of not necessarily being a Latinx person or a person of color, a BIPOC in a power position. And then realizing like, oh, wow, that I don't see those specific models that look like me in those positions that I might have dreamed maybe to be sometime. So that definitely was beyond cultural shock. And it really create a lot of imposter syndrome, a lot of imposter syndrome. And I, to be honest, I, I felt very grateful for my fellowship that they accept me because me and one of my best friends, we are the first Puerto Rican to be fellows there. So that was like such a big honor and like, mm. wow, I have accomplished this. But once I start, that's when things get complicated because I start in the middle of a pandemic isolation, mm-hmm. not necessarily meeting my co-workers in person. I mean, I actually met them a year after. Wow. So like in person. So I think that's when the imposter syndrome was even harder when I did mm-hmm. the, the start the fellowship and trying to accomplish all the demands that the fellowship had, but at the same time feeling like oh I don't know like I really need to demonstrate that I, I'm okay to be here. I need to demonstrate that I like, I know, and it's not about luck. So I self-neglect my love a lot myself and put that as a priority to demonstrate who I am and that Puerto Ricans can accomplish this and open space for the others. There's so many layers in this because there's also that aspect of Puerto Rico and how it stems in the U.S. kind of like, some people call it like a modern colony and, and how there is that idea that when you brinca el chalco, when you come mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. that you have to overperform or you have to be at your best because you're like representing the whole island in a way mm-hmm. <laughs> and opening all these doors. And it's so overwhelming because that's what they get. Like, I remember when I went to my internship, I was also the first Puerto Rican from the island because I was mm-hmm. I was also paired thank God with another Puerto Rican that she studied in the U.S. but she lived in Puerto Rico for her whole life basically and and that was really good because then we had that aspect in common but mm-hmm. I was the first one and after me there has been more that have been have been going there and I remember the pressure that I felt of opening that door and the overperforming and the don't make a mistake and that all of that that it's also embedded not only in the Latinx piece, but in the Puerto Rican, what well, we have internalized as Puerto in Rican. In history, so, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that when we, we come to the there. master or whatever, then we have to like, you know, comply mm-hmm. and all this. And yeah. that is really hard because it's internalized. And then we come here and then we're now put in this cluster of like, BIWOG, women of color, or, you know, that for me was so hard to like even accept. I'm like, I don't consider myself a woman of color, I'm just Puerto Rican. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, what is yeah. that? Now I'm like, okay, let me just not comply, but like, that's how you understand it. And it's easier. Let me just mm-hmm. say it that way. But that aspect is really hard. And then we add another layer. You came, you also experienced Maria, right? Yes. 
Hurricane Maria. Definitely another layer. That the hell is another huge layer because so you were in school in Puerto Rico when Maria hit. Yes, yes, and actually, yeah, this four years, this last four years, I think has been very tough to be honest because it's like 2017 Maria hit. I was actually working in dissertation at that time, so I most of my dissertation I did it with like without power and like working with flashlights and traveling almost 50 minutes from the closest Starbucks that I had to be able to work there with air conditioning and have Wi-Fi. And just after that, it was, I, if that was 2017, which impacted directly my family, my dad lost most of his home. It was a very difficult time, you know, and then next year I, I lost my grandfather. So, and he was such an important person in my life. He was like my second dad. And then next year I moved here and it's been like all step, every step behind each other. And I definitely feel that that also impact when the pandemic started, because I moved here, that was a cultural shock and it was a grieving process as well. Losing, not necessarily people are talking Spanish here and that's my first language. And if there's people talking Spanish, they're not talking your same slang and that yeah. even though it's simple it makes a difference like it makes a difference <laughs> not understanding yeah. what you're saying and you're like yeah. hey um, <laughs> and, and you know not not being close enough to go on the weekends and take a coffee with my mom which I love to do right. for being able to go see my dad so I think definitely that that was a process which now I recognize that I was living in a survival mode since Maria, and that definitely make it a little bit harder even to adapt to start a career and now being called a doctor when, okay, you're just surviving, finishing grad school in the middle of a pandemic. And it also had a lot to do with that imposter syndrome because I was dysregulated sometimes and in that survival mood, but pleasing others and overworking and overworking and self-neglecting myself because at that point I was I didn't knew what else to do I have been in that mood for so long working and doing and accomplishing but not never stepping taking a step back you know and and really take care of myself I can only imagine because I'm here like even grad school for the most part puts a lot of people in that survival mode because how it's built it's built in that way even a fellowship is built in that way. An internship is built in that way. You are working so much, learning all these things. And mm-hmm. So yeah. all those extra layers. And I bet your body was like, okay, just one more year. And then, and then <laughs> things are going to come back. Oh, it's keep going. And it's going to. Oh, so what has helped you manage this or, you know, becoming aware or attending to your needs? Because I know you, you mentioned like self-neglect. What has helped you? Well, thank you for that question. I think there was a moment that I realized it was not sustainable the way I was managing and just giving and giving and not giving anything for myself. I I remember when I finished working, I was just like there in the couch and not being able to be more, spend more time with my husband or be at DP, which I I am in more than the weekends because my sister-in-law lives here. And being able to connect more with my mom. So at that point, my even my husband and my mom was like, hey, and, and my dad too, like, we, we're concerned. You can get sick. I, I want you to take care of yourself. Like you're working too much. You're dressing too much. I, I, I never forget. And this is very like 
I, I get a little bit emotional because this is very personal, but I never forget one day that my husband looked at me and he was like, babe, I'm really concerned. Like, and I felt like I was that dad or mom that I was looking their kids that maybe it's like, I don't know, having any type of addiction or anything. And they're looking that, that, that look, look. he was suffering for me. And that was a shock for me. It was like, okay, I, it's not only about self-neglecting, but I think that the people that love me, it's also suffering of mm. seeing me just trying to overcome and overcome. And at what cost is this? So that was definitely a moment of, okay, I need to take a step back. And what helped me? I started looking for <laughs> what I can do. I start talking about it in supervision. I brought it up. Mm. I break that silence of, and I okay I'm okay yeah, of, yeah I break that yeah. time that I'm okay and I'm okay yeah. yes responding email quickly yes uh, everything mm-hmm. every notes on time everything I was like at one moment saying like I'm not okay <laughs> I mm-hmm. need to like really take care of myself I'm wanting to do this perfect but it is really costing me and I was having a lot of anxiety so then at that same moment of that wake-up call I was in Instagram which is super funny And I saw this post and, you know, you know, that this is Instagram is not therapy, but I'm right, 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 right. I'm very grateful because I found a post of imposter syndrome. I have never in my life heard about imposter syndrome. And then I read that list and it was like, Hey, that's me. I remember sending it to my best friend. It's like, Hey, that post, that's me. You know, that that's me was there. So I started reading about it and just in that moment, you start starting to like do this um, promotion of the, the mentorship. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, oh, she's Puerto Rican. It's mm-hmm. the clothes that I have a person like me. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like, let's, let's do this investment. I talked with my husband, I contact you and, and we did mm-hmm. everything. And I feel like I am a spirituality is very important for me and I always think like please send me angels that help me and you were one of those angels Mm. in that moment so starting the mentorship program helped me also to realize that regulation the importance of my regulation be a healer because I was giving and giving and giving and forgetting that I was the, the most important instrument there. It's not necessarily the EVP, the model, but that I'm able to provide that space and being present within. So working on strategies for regulation, um, mm-hmm. taking breaks, identifying the triggers to overwork and silencing my emails in the weekend or even erasing the app, seeking more support. I actually turned this on in a way of like, I need to talk more about imposter syndrome and start doing like, workshops about it and reading literature but applying applying the strategies myself I right now what I'm doing is like I'm doing more like gratitude check-ins with myself what I'm grateful Mm -hmm. for thinking about what it's my mission what I'm doing this for besides the title or whatever like what it's really what I really want to accomplish doing this it's learning an EVP but it's also serving and that was my call So connecting more with myself and really doing things to help me increase that window of tolerance that we psychologists sometimes talk or therapists of being more able to when stress comes up, because we're still in the middle of a pandemic and stressful situations still comes. It's like how I cope with them and how I handle them. And 
yeah, I think that definitely has been a, a huge shift of mindset and reminding myself that I am a priority and I definitely, mm-hmm. I am a better therapist when I take that mm-hmm. time for myself. I re-energize myself in the weekend. Boundaries, boundaries. Oh, that's a huge word. <laughs> boundaries. Mm-hmm. That's something that really has helped. And saying no, it's very tough and difficult. I'm still working on that. I had a conversation about that this week with my supervisor, but saying no sometimes and when it's supposed to and saying yes to things that also leaves me scared, like being here today, which is very hard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is so good. Yeah, thank you for bringing that distinction because sometimes we go into anything that's not serving us that we mistake it out, but there's things that are serving us that will also cause. I was reflecting the other day, like, because I really like say that I kind of specialize in, in regulation and all that kind of stuff from the trauma aspect. And a lot of times we promote a lot of, you know, feel safe and create safety but at the same time the human is made to do things that are not safe Mm -hmm. in order to evolve like I'm thinking back to like the adolescent brain how I love how Dr. Dan Siegel likes to explain it that part of the reason why they're seeking dangerous things is because that was built for Mm -hmm. them to leave their family and move with other to start something else somewhere else otherwise you would stay in the same place we were nomads so we couldn't we had to like get out of our family and in order to do so yeah. you have to take the risk you cannot be like I'm going to stay here forever yeah. so that's part of the human evolution is also taking risks and not everything is not about safety yeah and then I was like you know that was just me recently I'm like I need to figure out how to work this nuance and, and the difficulties of it Mm-hmm. but it, it is important because otherwise you know if we go all the way to safety 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 then we won't do anything right exactly exactly <laughs> and I think that when you're saying like no to everything that it's you're not necessarily embracing your story or your journey right. and I feel like this space for example I'm very grateful for you to giving me this moment in this moment of my life where I'm trying to embrace my own journey I'm trying to find this authentic voice now that I have been like all in training all this time under a supervision, which I'm still are, but still in a moment of like trying to find my authentic voice as a person, as a professional mm-hmm. and take that definitely sometimes feel risky. And I'm always very aware, like this is not necessarily a safe space, but it's a brave space. And yeah. I have to like use that as an opportunity of growth. And mm. that definitely has changed the way about I think and I feel like I'm now feeling a little bit more empowered to give those steps but I go back to regulation you really need to be attuned with yourself and your needs to be able to decide what to say yes what to say no which is definitely the hard part of yeah when when we want to please and please and please others and not necessarily think about what works for you and your dreams and and what you want to accomplish. What is your mission, that personal statement that that we continue working on. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And yeah, that is so important. And you said something and now I lost my train of thought that I was like, I want to piggyback on that awareness. You mentioned that part of that self-awareness of how you're able to distinguish when something is no and when something is a yes. Mm-hmm. based on your body because anxiety and excitement can feel very similar in the body 
Yes, I agree with you. And it's very so confusing. It's figuring out the yeah. differences. Mm-hmm. When we're taking a brave step, it can feel that excitement, like, oh, I'm taking something that I want. But it can feel nervous as opposed yeah. to like, no, like a big no from your body, like, no, I don't want mm-hmm. this. It's just, this is not going to be helpful. So but that's going to be like the journey of that self-awareness. But yeah, so much that we can go on and on. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like we're touching the surface, but as we're getting close to the end, what what is the message that you would give to other fellow fellows <laughs> or psychologists that are, you know, graduating or they're in school and they're or any other Puerto Rican? I would love to see if any of you are Puerto Rican and are doing internship or a postdoc in the U.S please tag us and and, because I'm here like thinking "Mm, I would like to do more for that community because it's the experiences are so particular that there's no spaces for that but anyways but if you're like listener (laughs) if you're that person tag us tag us send us an email but for those that are listening what would you say to them a message to help them in their own journey yeah I think my big message will be I have to go back to a something I was reading yesterday. I was reading about the seven habits of highly effective people, that book. I was literally in a summary and they have one habit. That's the last one. And it's called sharpen the saw. And it's really about taking time to sharpen yourself and really go back to yourself and see what are your needs and able to continue providing what other people need. I think that's my biggest message. I have self-neglect myself for so much for so long that it really deteriorated my mental and physical health. And when I went back to myself and really think about, okay, this is who I am and that self-awareness and this is what I need today. I just need to take a break between clients, even if it's five minutes. Today, I need to do a transition ritual from work to really go to my life, even if I'm working from home, that could be a shower, that could be a walk. I think really thinking about what works for you, what works for me, not necessarily work for other people. I really think about what works for you too. So you can feel joy, you can feel energized, you can feel that you're in a place of, okay, I am feeling more regulated and then be able to continue embracing your journey and working toward your goals. I think that's such an important thing to really try to continue working on that window of tolerance and health, whatever that means for every people, spirituality, social, there's so many aspects that we can add there. But I think that's my biggest recommendation and, and seek support. I will never be able to do anything in my life without the support that I have received from my husband, my family, my friends, my mentors, seek support and and break the silence, (laughs) which is so hard. (laughs) I think those were my three biggest recommendations. Mm, I love them. And I love that aspect of break the silence because that takes so much courage, especially if you've been in a survival mode for a super long time because people are already seeing you as a strong one. And, mm-hmm. and and there's benefits for you being the strong one, not only for you, but for your family. So by you breaking the silence, in a way, sometimes feels like you're letting other people down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you're not letting yourself down anymore. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> ah, so good. Okay. Some yeah. fire round questions. So finish the sentence. My unique and special gift is? Um, building warm relationship with others provide that space for others to 
feel heard. I am reclaiming. Oh, my voice and intuition. <laughs> I no longer subscribe to pleasing others all the time. <laughs> yes. If my ancestors would speak, they would say. Oh, that's such a lovely question. Um, I think they will say they are proud of me, especially not for what I have accomplished professionally. I think more because of the my connection with my values and what I want for my life and for my family. And I feel they will feel proud. <laughs> Thank mm. you for that question. I oh. so close to my heart. I felt it. Thank you for sharing. And the last one, my wish for you, meaning the audience, is? Oof, that's a great one. My big wish is for you to find joy in all the other aspects of your life. And for you to recognize that your professional journey, it's important, but not necessarily have to be the center of it. And that you deserve joy, pleasure, peace, some time to ease, take care of yourself. And you will definitely be even the best of yourself when you do that and take care of yourself and sharpen the saw. <laughs> yeah, so important. Oh, thank you so much. Dr. Francis, and can you share with the audience where they can find you if they have any question or contact you? So right now, they can find me by email. My email is drvidothidalgo at gmail.com. And that will be down here in the show notes. So. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, that's yeah. your email. <laughs> I know, I know. It will be there. No worries. <laughs> they can find me that way. Um, right now, I don't have any like professional Instagram, but probably next year when I finish my fellowship and I will keep you posted, Liana. Yes. <laughs> oh, my future plans. Yes. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, maybe if I'm just here thinking, I don't know how to access them. But if you're a listener that you're Puerto Rican, studied in the island and came to the US, contact me. I'm like, I would like to offer something like a space or something to just connect and communicate because again it's very specific experiences that not many other people have and I agree. yeah so I definitely agree. I'm just thinking and maybe that could be a collaboration that we could do yeah, that know, down the road and I know there are people yeah. there I recently did a presentation about imposter syndrome the national like Latinx Psychological Association which Thank you, Liliana, for pushing me yes. because I was like, I'm too scared to do that. No, like, you yeah. can do it. Yes. So um, I did a roundtable about imposter syndrome. And there was a Puerto Rican student oh. that recently moved from the island. And that was like, it melted my heart. She was telling me like, you also identify. Like, thank you. And I was like, mm -hmm. please reach out. Please send me an email. Yes. So there's, I'm sure there are other people there experiencing mm -hmm. the same thing, especially because we don't have too much APA accredited internship in Puerto Rico so a lot of people decide to come here to the United States thinking that oh. that would be great I hope we can oh, enjoy I that. hope yeah <laughs> I hope we could that's you know so contact us so that way we can know there's a need so and spread the message if you know if you're not but you know a Puerto Rican a Boricua, you know psychologist in your agency or something so thank you everyone and this was a great conversation I know we could have gone so many places but as we're ending again I'm so grateful that our paths kind of collided. I don't know if that's the correct, you know, I'm still learning English after 12 years. Yeah. In the US. I don't know what, <laughs> if that's the correct word or not, but like, I think our paths met or something like that in English. And I wish you the best and to finish mm -hmm. strong, to get licensed, 
yeah. tu tiempo and <laughs> to come true and thank you again for joining us thank you no thank you thank you for inviting me and thank you for being that angel when I came here and continue being in my life of that mentorship and role model there are some books that says spend time with the people that you admire and you want to be so I'm very grateful that you're in my life and that make a huge difference um identifying and normalizing those aspects of coming here and identifying those areas of growth so thank you so much for providing this space for us and for giving your medicina to us and sharing your gifts with us i'm very very grateful for that claro que sí, de nada. i receive it so. <laughs> until next week everyone see you soon bye thanks for listening licensed psychologist now what To make sure you don't miss any episode, make sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast player and to join our email list via our website. Lastly, I will appreciate if you would rate and review our podcast to help us reach more folks that can benefit from the information provided here. Until next time, bye-bye.